0: listening to episode 312 of sci-fi tv rewatch my name's dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we continue our journey with season two of the german netflix series dark and we're recording in the morning again this is you know i enjoy recording in the morning during the summer
1: yeah yeah it's not not so bad oh it's not bad i mean it's fine and gets out of the way and uh you know
0: Well, you know, the thing I enjoy, I don't know if we've had this conversation before, but I like watching my TV, especially sci-fi at night when it's dark outside, there's no glare on the TV, just, just something about the ambiance that, that I prefer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Try to get like kind of that, um, almost movie
1: theater experience, everything, you know, but, uh. So, so yeah, so if we record during the day, at least more time at night to, like, you know, watch the stuff we're talking about.
0: Yeah. So uh, I want to take a second to acknowledge our Patreon patrons, uh, Mark, Fred from the Netherlands, Dan, Cindy, Mike. And we have another new patron this week. We want to thank Travis Payton for your support of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And, you know, we haven't said this in a while, but uh, the Patreon account. Exists to help defray the cost of producing sci-fi TV rewatch because podcasting isn't free, unfortunately. And we do offer some, you know, little bonus items that if you're a supporter at the dollar level, we'll cover any episode of any genre show you choose. Uh, at the film critic patron, we'll cover any genre film of your choice, and at the foundation level, we'll cover any genre show of your choice or genre film of your choice and additionally we'll produce a podcast that explores a top 10 list related to genre tv for instance uh, our top 10 favorite genre actors our top 10 favorite series set in space favorite supernatural series 10 best sci-fi films yeah just some possibilities but we'd certainly uh, love it if you decide to join our patreon patrons and if not that's cool too and hopefully you'll just uh, check in with the facebook group and go from there so now uh sometimes i leave this till the end Uh, i forget about it but if you want to contact us with some episode feedback or questions the email is at scifitvrewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab record your own audio clip if you want send us the mp3 as an attachment or consider joining the facebook group and get into the discussions there now but don't effing rick roll us yes all right now the only piece of news i want to bring up and, and wayne and i have just begun the preliminary discussions here that once we finish our season two discussion of dark and get caught up on any patreon supporter requests we're considering going back to season one of dark and re-watching with knowledge of the past present and future and you know be able to look at things that are clues uh spoilers if you will so um you know we'd appreciate any feedback via the facebook group if you think that's a good idea bad idea move on to something else but you know we'll keep you posted yep all right tip of the week now we're going to do something a little different this time uh, Fred sent us in a audio clip about the music of Dark, so I certainly consider this a tip. I'll let
2: Fred speak for himself. Hello everybody, this is Fred again with an extra topic. I placed a link on the Facebook page to a marvelous German, although article, about the seven most important dark songs and in this article there are links to the youtube videos of these songs so even if you can't read german you can go there and just click the youtube links perhaps you have to first allow the site that your data are connected to youtube but probably being on youtube you have that already And then you can listen to that there is a lot of background information and probably for the finale of season two of dark i will make an extra topic about it and taking out the highlights of this article just to give one example did you know that the main theme of dark was already used in the finale of Breaking Bad season 4. If you want to look it up, it's about 34 minutes into the episode and it's the scene where Gus Fring, so the big bad of the series, is walking towards the nursing home where Hector is staying. If you can read German, beware, it could contain spoilers for season two. So, if you are going to look it up, I just want to say, enjoy. Greets Fred.
0: All right. Um, Yeah, I mean, certainly the lyrics. And as I've said many times, I watch with the closed captioning on. And of course, with the English subtitles, how could I not? And obviously, a lot of the lyrics throughout the series have been about time traveling and, you know, the future and things like that. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Fred's got a link on the Facebook group if you want to check that out. It was actually cool.
1: I definitely watched the Nina, Nina. Nina, I'm actually not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, I think Nina uh, video, which was obviously uh, when I was a kid 99 Red Balloons or 99 Luft Balloons, actually was released with the English version on one side of the 45 single for you kids out there. They used to make these things called records, and they would sometimes sell those records as singles and it would have a big hole in the middle, and they'd call it a 45, because you play it at 45 revolutions per minute on a record player. This is a really cool thing. So I definitely bought that one. That was a huge hit here. And uh, My Body this is a Cage. I, I, I mean, I knew that was a Peter Gabriel song, but I actually am more familiar with the Johnny Cash version that he did for one of his uh, American Recordings albums.
0: So, But yeah, it's a really cool link. All right, well, let's get to the dark discussion. This is episode six of season two, titled An Endless Cycle, written by Yante Freesia and Martin Benke, who also wrote 204 The Travelers, directed, as always, by Baron bo You know, this episode, I think more than any, is the mind-bender of the series. Because OMG. Of- and I know that's... A, a bold statement to make considering we're talking about dark but I, I don't think i'd get much disagreement from anybody we open with a voiceover from adam and, and again we've talked about the whole voiceover thing and, and and this is a little different because it's like a v- opening voice over but the whole idea about the beginning and the end uh, that naturally occur within a loop and the whole question, where did it all begin? Where did this begin in the past, in the future? Everything's connected in one endless loop, it seems. But, you know, I'm I'm starting to wonder here. I I think we have to agree that the dark story follows a fatalistic approach. In, In other words, all events are predetermined therefore inevitable and any attempts to change things will ultimately fail now i could be wrong but that's kind of the feeling i'm getting especially through things that adam's saying here
1: well yeah it's definitely in this episode this is extremely fatalistic i mean everything is definitely predetermined here the suggestion from claudia though is that that can possibly change because, you know, it seems to be like, you, you know, she tells Jonas, like, you're the one who can end all this. I don't know. Like, God, man, like, after after watching this again, like, my head was just, like, spinning, like, with all the all the w- things and what's going to happen. And I don't know. And But what I've kind of come down to is I, I just get this feeling like middle-aged Jonas is somehow like some kind of linchpin in all of this, you know? he's like has seen enough as th- his younger self but he's not at that stage where he doesn't want to become which is adam right, right. so th- it seems like something happens with him that is going to or 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 you know he's the person who will become adam basically you know
0: right right um, i mean how does teenage adam become I'm sorry, how does teenage Jonas become Adam? Right. What happens to you know, launch him in that direction? And, exactly. And the other thing is, we keep talking about breaking the cycle, and I start thinking, well, first of all, how are they going to break it? If they break it, doesn't it follow that it never should have begun? But more to the point, how many times has Jonas become Adam? And how is this the final cycle? And it's a question we've had for the last few weeks. How many times have these things happened? Which is a mind-bending question in and of itself, you know? Right.
1: Right. And and the, you know, the problem is, I think we talked about this last week, is when you have these endless cycles one after another, when you have people coming from the future to the past and affecting it and so on and so forth, you know, where does it start you know like yeah. i know jonas's theory is that it all starts with michael's suicide and that if he can stop that then that will end it but as we can see michael's suicide only happened because jonas came back you know if Jonas had never gone there michael didn't even it was not even on an idea of michael's right yeah you see how surprised he is when Jonas says it, he's like, "What are you talking about? You know we get so when you have this much causality and coming from the future to the past and everything, it's just where like if you're gonna stop it
0: how, where, when it's crazy right and I mean, you mentioned Jonas as the linchpin, and I certainly agree that the story has evolved into his story and and now that we know that jonas becomes adam that that becomes ever more true and, and certainly we're, we're led to believe that as you said that the suicide of michael conwell is, is sort of what puts everything into motion so stop that and you break the cycle but it seems a little bit too easy and while on the one hand it's just wonderful seeing everybody before the kids go missing i mean my gosh we we see katarina smile and actually happy <laughs> right and I'm not sure if we've seen any of these characters smile before. we well, a lot of smiling going on in Dark.
1: Yeah, no. Well, you know, and Michael's... And so we can see, I guess, why Jonas would think that Michael's suicide was the thing that caused it Because you can see how everyone is before that happens. And then, of course, starting with Season 1, Episode 1, we've seen what everyone is like after it. And... You know, before, like you said, people are happy, but it's a, you know, it's a superficial happy. You know, you mentioned about Katarina, and yes, she seems happy, but on the other hand, by the end of this episode, her husband is going to have sex with another woman. So that there's, there's always things below the surface, I guess. And Wyndon is, is kind of like that. But but you're right; it's nice to see, like Jonas, and Martha, and Magnus, and all these kids as just being kids and not weighted down with the death of his father the disappearance
0: of their brother right well the other thing that that really strikes me in this episode and especially as i'm watching the party at the uh, nielsen home is that it's almost like it's an alternate timeline and after hearing character after character mention deja vus i start thinking Okay, instead of an alternate timeline, do we have a multiverse? Are there multiple universes possibly going on here? I mean, I don't think we have anything that can speak to that directly, but I'm I'm getting that feeling in this episode. So I'm gonna you know put a pause on that for now. But you know because I think we can certainly explain why everybody's happy at this party is because. You know, when it is that that Michael Conwell hasn't committed suicide yet, Michael hasn't disappeared yet, so, you know, why not? But as we get into the discussion, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of the little details that, you know, a, again, give us pause, so... You know, ordinarily, it's kind of easy to break an episode down by uh, time period. And and certainly we'll do that here. But because of I'm calling them time travel, Jonas, it gets a little more complicated. But the A story, if you will, June 20th, 2019, the day before Michael Conwell commits suicide. And, you know, if, if we go back, episode 101 takes place June 21st, 2019, and we see Michael Comwell, uh hang himself. And then, you know, five months later, Mickel goes missing. But back to season two, uh, again, you know, we've said this. It goes day by day, starts with June 21st, and, and then in episode five, we're at June 25th. And then all of a sudden, we backtrack. So I, I really love the fact that they do that and we get that scene teenagers at the lake and you know i'm i'm really torn what photo i should use for the blog post for this podcast i mean should i go with topless francesca bikini martha or topless magnus i'm I'm not sure yet but uh yeah i'll work on that but you know we get to that scene and It's really not clear whether she's with Jonas at this point, Martha, that is, because they certainly seem like they could be more than just good friends. Uh, I mean, certainly the way he looks at her sitting next to him speaks volumes that that he's in love with her.
1: Sure. It seems just like, yeah, it's definitely early. I mean, we know it's early stages, kind of flirtation. Um, even Bartosh is trying to throw his hat in the ring there too um, but yeah it doesn't seem like there's any kind of official thing but you know it, the relationship does progress quickly in this episode
0: well I guess when I go back to thinking about season one and we learn that after his father's suicide and he had such a difficult time processing it they sent him away for a while and that when he went away, apparently he and Martha were boyfriend girlfriend. And when he comes back, Bartosh has weaselled his way in. Yeah. So, so yeah, that doesn't Sorry. seem to be the case here,
1: right? You know, and yeah. So there's there's definitely some inconsistency here because right, he he has what well, I think is just like the best line ever, which is you know, we were like what we're meant for each other or we are perfect together or something like that. Never think anything else. And and, and then, you know, which she's just like, you know, like kind of blown away by that. They end up having sex. Uh, The next day, his dad kills himself again. All this, everything else is happening backwards unbeknownst to this Jonas for him. He has sex with Martha. His dad kills himself. He has to go away because he's devastated He comes back and Martha's with Bartosh, and just like, well, wait a second. This isn't the eighties. You don't just have sex with everyone, dump them, you know? Yeah. Especially when you know what, what he went through. Right. So when we first saw it or saw this whole thing, you know, at least I thought, you know, maybe, you know, Jonas was just really into Martha and she really wasn't into him and no big deal. But I mean, they actually, I mean, this is a a real thing that they had with, you know, the having the sex and, you know, the exchanging of a necklace, which, you know, is also kind of like a big thing here. So that, you know, they really had something going and, you know, like, yeah, weaseled in is a good way to put what uh, Bartosh did there. But, you know, the question is like, what's, what's Martha doing? You know, like, I don't know.
0: Right. Well, you know, of all the young characters she does seem to be the most troubled throughout this episode and we do get the origin of the saint christopher medal who she points out is the patron saint of travelers and of course we know that jonas's middle-aged self gives this to martha in the last episode but but then we've got time travel jonas right the jonas that left 2019 found himself in 2053 and then ends up in 1921. So he's got the neck scar. And and obviously that makes it easy to distinguish him from 2019 Jonas. But again, we've talked about the time travel rules and how they work. So he, he certainly sees himself. They don't interact with each other. And I guess there's no reason they couldn't. But I guess you never know because they, they technically are different.
1: Right, but, yeah. Well, uh, we
0: see like you know Michael purposefully
1: avoiding Mickle, you know. So, I mean, not that the universe is going to be explode should they touch or something like that, but you know, best not mess with those types of things, all right?
0: Right. And, and then when time travel Jonas is walking along the road, and and Katerina Ulrich and Mickle drive by on the way to the doctor, y- y- you see Mickle is very uncomfortable seeing seeing Jonas I mean Jonas has more perspective here but uh, again there's there's something going on uh, and not again at this point not sure what it is but I like the scene I mean I'm not sure it really means anything in the big picture Magnus sees the naked body floating face down in the lake he goes out to investigate and of course it's Francesca and even though they're not a couple yet she's got that wry smile as he walks away after Yeah, the her. smile is what sticks with him. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> well, the, I don't think you know, he like, sees yeah, it. Yeah, right? I think, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, I don't think he sees it because he's already turned his back because he's kind of embarrassed at this point. Um, right. Not, not sure why he should be embarrassed, but... Yeah, yeah, Clearly, hey. clearly she wanted um, <clears throat> him to see it.
1: Exactly. And she's unabashed and unapologetic. So good for her, you know. But I think we, if I recall when we talked about season one, we wondered why Magnus became so. It seemed like his infatuation with Francisca went pretty quickly, right? Like right. they, um you know, they, they kind of went to the caves to recover these drugs altogether. And then the next thing you know, he's kind of like Stockner and then they're, you know, then they're in like a kind of relationship there. And and so we kind of now see the origins of that, that obviously his encounter with Francisca here is going to, uh, it's going to leave an impression. You know, it's not every day that a girl just stands up in front of you naked and, um, you know, for, especially for a high school kid, you know, that's probably
0: going to, you know, stick with you for a while. Yeah. Now. After coming out of the water in her bikini, Martha's reading Ariadne, which, uh, of course, we know is a play that she later performs. We saw that in season one. And she tells Jonas, wouldn't you want to know what's coming next? And I guess I'm thinking, all right, where did that come from? I mean, I get it. Uh, You know, wouldn't you want to know the future? One of the eternal questions. But. It just seems like it almost came out of nowhere, unless you know she's having these feelings of déjà vu as well, and and it's almost as if it freaks Jonas out, and he remembers. Oh, I gotta go. We gave Grandma Ines a a tablet, and I gotta show her how it works. And on on the one hand, I'm thinking, all right, she's not that old that she couldn't figure out how a tablet works, right? but, yeah,
1: it seems like a pretty lame excuse. Yeah, I'm not doubting his veracity, but uh, you yeah,
0: know, just seems kind of lame. But you know, that's the scene when the camera pulls back and, and we see time travel. Jonas watching himself with Martha, and, and of course, he understands about his neck scar and zips up his jacket. And and, and again, she's in a bikini. Magnus is in a swimming shorts or whatever they are um francesca i don't know what she's got on the bottom well, i guess nothing and here's jonas in like long pants yeah. <laughs> and a jacket right. <laughs> and nobody seems to be bothered or or questioning him on that i mean i think she does ask him about why he brought the jacket he says it was going to rain but Uh, Yeah, because
1: Michael told him when he was going out the door, he's like, it's supposed to storm, so then he grabs the jacket, which freaks out Michael because it's the jacket, you know, from the night at the cave. But but yeah, absolutely. I I think that's obviously it's symbolically we see that Jonas, the time traveler, is someone who is becoming more increasingly guarded and you know, is hiding behind things and covering himself up and and while you know Martha is at this point well Martha and Francisca and and Magnus are more open and free and carefree and and don't have that like you said the, the, the weight of the world on their shoulders uh, yet it's gonna happen
0: soon enough but uh, right now not, they're they're just kids right and, and you know he he tells her that I thought i had more time he's clearly in in, in a different mood and, and this is of course when he tells her what you had said at the top of the discussion that i think we're a perfect match for each other and, and they kiss and i'm trying to wrap my head around whether or not i can make a convincing argument that this is really not his aunt that he's kissing this version of jonas but i still don't know and i know we talked about whether that's actually a, a legal thing whether or not you can marry your aunt. Like, right. I'm not sure we ever came up with an actual answer on that, but I remember we talked about it. You know, he, he does that. And it's almost as if he's setting up 2019 Jonas to be with Martha like, because he knows what's going to happen, I, I, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure if he knows about the party that night, but. Well, yeah. I mean, he's. That's happened. He. Right. He had
1: sex with her. Now, he didn't right. know that he basically set himself up uh, right. for that. But, yeah, he knows what's going to happen at, at that party for sure, you know. But I think, you know, going and telling Martha that they're perfect for each other is – it's I, you know, and I think Fred talks about it in his feedback how, you know, we had last season – where he's basically, they're in the rain and he's like, you know, everything's messed up and we can't be together and just let, you know, to, you know, getting past that. Okay. Well, she's biologically, she's my aunt, but just kind of, I guess, ignoring that and saying it's just, this is the
0: person that I love, you know? Right. Right. But if I'm from a different timeline, is she still my aunt? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway. Right. Um, The other thing is we talked a lot about the continual rain in Wyndon during season one. I don't know that we've had any until the storm at the Nielsen's anniversary party. And and again, I can't help but think about the whole uh, narrative device of a storm portending unnatural acts. and, And certainly Julius Caesar comes to mind, but there are a lot of those unnatural acts and and certainly one is as you 've already mentioned that this is we assume the first time Ulrich and Hannah get together uh, you know for the affair I, yeah mean, definitely I, it, i'm pretty sure it's the first time for sure right and you know the the first scene we see Ulrich trying to have sex with Katerina but she you know begs off different excuses and and Mikkel barges in so so it's a good thing she
1: did because
0: (laughs) you mean because Mikkel barging in though that might have changed the timeline or two yeah right now all of this is leading up to their 25th wedding anniversary party And, and you know we get to that party Hannah's distracted and and she's one of the first to, to claim a deja vu when she sees Mickle you know then you know we see Mickle uh, has to go to the bathroom as he goes inside the conwald house and he's walking around like he recognizes things yeah. and michael comes downstairs to find mickle exiting the bathroom and we get that scene where the two of them stare at each other for a minute and and, and then mickle runs away And Michael's clearly upset. So we understand that Michael knows (laughs) why this is weird. Why does Mickle freak out and run away? Well, I I don't know, Dave. If
1: you're a kid and you come out of the bathroom and some creepy guy's hiding behind the door, that's going to freak you out as a kid.
0: Well, yeah, but it's not as if he doesn't know michael conwell i mean is this the first time here's the thing okay i don't think he does i think
1: michael basically doesn't really go out i think especially probably since michael's been born michael has been kind of keeping his distance he's just really unable to resist himself at this point to just go and see himself but of course he knows he knows it's gonna happen right he knows that oh wait I come out of the bathroom and I see myself. Like I got to get downstairs. Yeah, you know, this, ah, this is where the the this is where the show really messes with my head. Um, but I, I think it, for for Mickle, it was just obviously th- there might have been some kind of just you know inner understanding or I maybe mean, not understanding of um, a, a recognition. I guess I should say that there's something. Very strange here, but I think basically he's probably not seen Michael Conwald much, if ever. It, you know, I I just feel like Michael is yeah, he might be like the town boogeyman, you know, like just the guy who never gets out, never you no know, no one ever sees the guy, and so it just kind of freaks the, that
0: little kid out. Boo Radley, yeah, right, Boo Radley, yes, exactly. But this is also one of those instances. That for me make me consider the whole multiverse idea because this mickle i mean he hasn't lived this moment before or right, has, michael has he yeah right michael has but mickle hasn't so true um anyway then, then we get to the party and but you know, i, I actually want to step back with something you said because hannah
1: you know that is they, you know, they do make a thing of her, like, kind of staring at Mickle. Right. And we've talked about this before. At some point, Hannah's got to look at Mickle and say, he looks a hell of a lot like Michael looked when he was that age. If nothing else, there might be some serious questions about his parentage here, you know? But, right. You know, but you'd think, like, all the people who knew Mickle back in the day might be look at mickle now and say no hold on a second here you know he looks just like michael conwell yeah yeah um so you could you could see that but uh but yeah yeah like i mean they just obviously actually at that point i thought well if like somehow my wife from when we first met time traveled to now would i see her and say holy shit my wife just time traveled or would I say, wow, that girl looks a lot like Jody did when she was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd probably do the latter. You know, I just said, man, <laughs> that girl looks a lot like Jody. Yeah. So, yeah, cause you just, you
0: take the the most likely explanation. That's what we get run with. Right. Yeah, of course. Of course. So um, at the party at the Nielsen's uh, you know, we see Hannah and Katerina, together and you know they seem fine i don't want to say they seem like best friends but but certainly katarina doesn't suspect anything and, and it well, because he hasn't done it yet well right and, and and it never was revealed to them who accused ulrich of raping her when they were teenagers right. so right you know, obviously had she known that but hannah of course is looking at them with daggers and and Again, we we know what her backstory is with Ulrich. You already mentioned this is where Jonas and Martha go off in her uh, bedroom, or not her bedroom. Yeah, her bedroom. Yeah, her bedroom. Right? bedroom yeah. It's, it's her house, right, yeah. uh, and, and have sex. Peter and Michael stay home. Now, Michael, not a surprise, as you said, and, and I think that's probably what has happened. And, and you wonder, because Hannah mentions that it would be good for him to get out and okay, he's an artist and, and you start thinking that a lot of his sadness is, you know, that whole artist mentality or whatever, but, and, and that may be part of it, but of course it's that he knows how he got to this point. So that in and of itself is enough to make him like this, but right. Peter, well,
1: I, if if I could just jump on this real quick, cause you know, I think that is the thing. I, I don't know what it means that he's a painter, except for uh, probably what you just said, just like that he has a kind of artist sensibility. But, you know, like, we've always seen Michael as this really sad, tragic figure before Jonas, you know, before because because we thought he killed himself and that was his own decision to kill himself. But, you know, we see now, like, when when Jonas first says something about, oh, you, you, you know, you kill yourself or something, you can't kill yourself, he, like, laughs. Like, he's smiling. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You know? So, yeah, I don't really see him as being so sad he's a little weird for sure but i don't see him as being that sad we see him with a family and kind of interacting with his wife and and son and you know seem to draw some happiness from that um so it's it's just i think a different angle of of michael than we've always suspected and uh you know really at this point just hats off to uh, sebastian rudolph the actor who plays Michael? Because I mean, this was just a very emotional episode, and and I think he just really totally nailed it.
0: You know, uh, and I think we find ourselves saying that virtually every episode this season, and and yeah, I mean, w- w- we've certainly spoken about Lisa Vicari and, and her ability to really emote, but uh, yeah, like you said, we haven't seen his character at all other than season one a little bit but mickle has caught rubella which i guess is german measles we see that scene where he comes down to the party and you know tells his mother he can't sleep and, and and she goes back and of course as she's in bed with him comforting him you know later on we see hannah and ulrich outside in the rain and and the genesis of their affair and of course it it just makes his act that much more powerful when we see you know he's doing this while his wife is comforting their child we also see you know martha taking jonas into the bedroom and i'm thinking like dude why are you kind of hesitating i mean she's basically telling you this is it i mean closing the door should be tip number one (laughs) but okay fine this might be his first time whatever but then as they're having sex we get that split screen look of bartosh having dinner with his family Uh, given what we know from season one about bartosh and martha i don't know i mean am i supposed to be taking something else away from that scene i mean you know like you said bartosh is kind of throwing his hat in the ring here but
1: yeah um yeah that's a good question because there is that the love triangle obviously and so you know they're kind of showing that the irony of you know while those two are getting it on bartosh is having dinner with his family and stuff like that i don't think you're wrong to say there might be more to it than that and i'm not saying that as like i know because i don't um it just it it seems like there there might be more to it that maybe you know down the road that scene will bear more importance to us okay. that shot i should say
0: in other words you haven't lived this scene before and are reliving it again in a new loop right that's that's, that's okay. not the case
1: but yeah but certainly the i mean like the really i know you don't you're not always a big fan of the split screens I think how they used it at the end of this episode was just really, really good. Like to really, especially that scene with Katerina being the mother to their child while her husband is having sex with Hannah uh, out in the backyard, you know, the, the contrast there, you know, really like, cause I guess we never really have talked. Cause when we see Ulrich and Hannah, we see them together before we see them together with Katerina We think Ulrich's a bit of a cad, obviously, but we don't really emotionally look at how that's affecting other people. And you know that kind of that shot, I think, really uh, brings out the the irresponsibility, I guess, if is one word of what Ulrich is doing here. I guess, I mean, Hannah too, obviously, but. I don't know. Yeah, for both. Of them. We just Hannah is just, but you know, Hannah's a character we just don't like. So we, you know, we've always judged her rather harshly. We haven't really put uh, Ulrich up to that same level of scrutiny, I
0: guess. Right, and you know, I think it also reinforces what a good mother Katerina really is, especially coming off uh, uh, Martha's attitude towards her mother in 2020 for basically abandoning them the last you know, few weeks or whatever, because again, I, I was pretty sure I had measles as a kid, but I went and Googled, uh, rubella and, you know, it's not really that big a deal. It's like three days, you got a low grade fever and you're going to be fine. And her reaction, it's like, Oh my gosh, you picked such a great time to have this. So given that he's her youngest, she's probably been through this before with the two older kids. Still, she's willing to leave her own party to do that for her youngest child, which, mm-hmm. I, again, just I, makes it even worse when we see uh, Ulrich. But we do get yeah. that scene with Ulrich and Hannah, the thunderstorms going on in the background. And he asks, if the world ended tomorrow and started over, what would you wish for? And she says, a world without Winden. And, right. again, it's one of those things that, oh, okay, that's kind of a clue that multiverse might be in the picture. But then it also gets me to thinking, like, all right, is this sort of like it's a wonderful life? If the world didn't have wind in what yeah, we, right. <laughs> you know. but yeah.
1: So, hey, yeah. before we leave the party, though, I have an open letter to the producers of Dark. Um, Dave, I might use some language here, so I don't know what you want to do with it. But I just need to say this. Fuck you, producers of Dark. You fucking Rick rolled us again, you motherfuckers. Are you kidding me? If you Rick roll us one more time, we might stop podcasting. Stop the freaking Rick rolling. Just cut it out. Stop it. You want to to explain yourself? I I think I'm missing... uh... They played the Rick Astley song again at the party. Oh. Oh. (laughs) They did it. They're doing it. They're just messing with me now. I know uh yeah so you know like well, we talked about the music at the beginning and once again that horrible song finds its way into the show for i believe the third time uh but also katarina claims that uh, belinda carlisle's heaven is a place on earth is her favorite song which i get that's a it's a catchy tune but i mean you know it's like t- 2019 and so you know maybe there's a, there's been other songs since then. I, I I'd suggest to her maybe checking out Nirvana's uh, collection of music.
0: But uh, anyway, okay. Well, I thought maybe she could be rocking some craft work, you know? But right. <laughs> anyway, all right. So uh, time travel Jonas confronts his father, and we we you know we we've danced around that a little bit, but we see that scene where teenage Jonas. Wakes up, comes downstairs to get breakfast, and he goes to the refrigerator. And we've seen this several times that the milk seems to be important because the milk's always bad or we're out of milk well, or whatever. Just, he you know, there's the always out. that
1: possibility. He, just give, he has to give the milk a little sniff
0: first. And he's like, okay, we're good. Right. And, and certainly as an American, it was interesting to see. I, I suppose that's how milk is packaged in Germany. At this time, it looked like some sort of a brownish, smoky, clear glass bottle. I mean, at least that's what it looked like. But
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's, anyway, it, enough. So even though we've seen it before, I'm still not positive what he's pulling out of the fridge each time. Yeah, I'm like, okay. oh yeah, that's
0: the milk, right? But all of a sudden, his father walks in, greets him. Hannah walks in, and we're like, okay. um, alternate timeline but but again we know this is the day before so right. this is a scene we haven't seen we haven't seen the family in in, in this uh, kind of a situation hannah mentions katarina's party and michael seems totally distracted as if he knows something which of course he does sure the question is whether he's done it all before which that's an argument that could be made, you know, with the, the whole loop thing. And, and even when Jonas grabs his yellow jacket, which is becoming rather iconic, or at the very least ubiquitous <laughs> in, in Dark, yeah. he, he's kind of startled by that. I, again, he knows what's going to happen, I suppose. And and again, he claims deja vu. Well, right. Well,
1: he, here here's the thing. And this is like this is the, this part really big been the crap out of my mind jonas his son is the guy who leads him to the cave as a little kid right he's right. he's a kid sure. and like basically this thing that's kind of defined his whole life which is when i end up going from as a little kid end up going from 2019 back to 1986 and that's kind of been the thing that just messed up my whole life and my son is the one who did it, and they st- and he he still named him jo- like when you had a kid like what are we gonna name him? I don't know, Jonas. You might think, hey, maybe if, like I name him Tim, it won't happen, you know? Like, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I just, it just, it just when I think about Michael Conwald, and like it really hit me the second time I saw this one, right? That's just like his whole life he knows he is this person he's raising this person they gave life to is the person that's going to rip him from his family and send him back to the past so maybe there is something to your like timeline theory because i you know, i just that's it's just crazy when you think about that you
0: know and then of course he confronts him dad i know everything Tells him, you know, I know your real name is Mikkel Nielsen. And, of course, they hug again. And it's such a touching scene because it's as if Michael Conwell can finally let the truth be known, something he's been holding in for all of these years. And, you know, as you said, it's kind of weird that he's doing it with the person that causes all this to happen in the first place. But just that relief that he's able to acknowledge it. But it also gets me to thinking, I mean, is this yellow jacket, is that maybe something new for Jonas? And that when he sees it, it sparks the memory of that night? I mean, we don't get an answer in this episode. But. Yeah,
1: well, he just says that he's been kind of, like, in a haze uh, for the most part, which we know that when he was young, it's because, you know, Ines was drugging you, so that might explain that a bit. And that he just like recently um is starting to things are starting to like pop up that he he recognizes whatever like the like the the, the jacket and things like that
0: right and, and then of course jonas brings up the letter and asks him whether he's written it yet you know that do not open till november 4th ten thirteen p.m i'm here so that you don't do it and of course dad verbalizes what we've kind of pieced together already is that well if i don't do that then you're not going to be born okay now dad's talking like adam and noah and then suddenly old claudia walks in i've waited for this moment for a very long time and again we're still not sure who's good and who's evil in this war that seems to have evolved into adam versus claudia but Still, when she tells Jonas that Adam lied to him, he wants to destroy, only you can stop this," and, and all this thing, and then I've seen the world without him, and it's not what you're expecting. So you know, we, we, we certainly talk about sacrifices, and, and she says, "Your father has to make sacrifices, too. So it's almost like everybody except Jonas at this point acknowledges and accepts the fact that, no, I have to hang myself again." well so, for or for the first time or for the first time i mean right. it, but but it just we have that feeling that everybody knows what's gonna happen and in some cases uh, of course they do again we haven't talked a whole lot about lewis hoffman who plays teenage jonas and i mean we we see him you know a, as a very i don't know reserved individual is probably not going deeply enough but but certainly he's in tears despondent over what he now realizes his father has to do which is to kill himself and it, it's just really a, a emotional scene again i i guess what oh, i'm say is about almost every scene in the
1: but but that that shot where claudia is taking jonas away and he's just he's in anguish michael's in anguish oh my god it's just oh that was that that one that one hit that one cut deep
0: yeah and and then we see michael go into the studio uh, take out the paper and start writing the letter and we hear him speaking the contents as he's writing and then visually we see adam holding that medal and a man and woman come in. You could have told him what his function was in all of this, Magnus. We all have to make sacrifices. Whoa, what? Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we know that's Magnus. And again, <laughs> casting crew, what a awesome yeah. job you you did finding somebody uh, that looks just amazing. like Magnus. It's, yeah, I guess I assume the woman is Francesca, but
1: yeah, who knows? and. uh um, you know, Fred did some, uh, facial analysis for us that, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously she's got a tinge of red hair there. So, you yeah, know, we're, uh, there's a pretty high degree of certainty that that's, um, Francisca. Okay.
0: Now we also get just a little bit of the Tidemans and the Dopplers. And, and again, I'm not sure what's going on with Alexander uh, and, you know, this, this murder in Marburg unsolved 33 years later and, and why that gets his attention. I mean, we've always suspected that he shows up in Winden under sketchy circumstances, you know, back in 1986. So whether that's got something to do with it, uh, you know, it, it is not clear. Well, you, you know, it's like he calls, first of all, you know, obviously Waller, who
1: right. is you know definitely on alexander's payroll in some way he says he wants him to look into something you know confidently so no, co- sorry confidentially not confidently i'm sure he wants to do very confident he looks into but he wants to do it confidentially like yeah what is he like obviously uh, alexander's whole origin story is a very sketchy one right he shows up shot he's got a gun um, now he's seen this article about a 33 year old murder that has been unsolved, and but you know then it's, it says there's two people that are two suspects that they've been looking for that are missing. So if we think that Alexander is one of them, then maybe you know it's the other guy that he's a little worried about, which then leads you to think, yeah, Alexander is quote unquote gotten away with murder. You know he 's also lived thirty three years probably looking over his shoulder all the time, waiting for that the other shoe to drop, I guess,
0: yeah, and not to mention the knowledge that Hannah has his gun and passport, right, so. well, yeah, right, exactly, with the Dopplers, Peter comes home, finds Charlotte despondent on the couch, and, and again we we know what eventually happens with their marital relationship you know what's he done that caused her to lose trust has she found out about his secret life I mean he tells her I get nothing from you so this certainly you know isn't going in a very positive direction and she says well I think it's best if I go alone to the Nielsens but then we see Peter going to see Benny in her trailer as Francesca's in the background standing by the you know the the uh tractor trailer trailers and Mm -hmm. of course the you know it is raining in this scene so you wonder what francesca thinks is going on in the trailer is she following her father is this about the injections that she ends up selling i guess now she knows what her father's into or does she so I, i don't know i it's almost like given everything else in this episode why did we need this? What does this really add to the story?
1: There's, there's been little put into this that does not end up being meaningful at some point or another, right? right. So we can only assume that th- this is going to be important. But yeah, to the 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 whole Doppler their their relationship, you know, it's it's just, yeah. I, I mean, we you know we spent so much of season one. Remember how we suspected Peter and. I I know I say we, but it was me who really had harsh words for Peter and his character through most of season one. And then it turns out he's kind of okay at the end. I think we've seen season two, uh, definitely a more supportive, closer relationship with his wife, but this is, this is definitely a low point uh, for their relationship here. And you can see kind of like the same uh, marital stress that uh, Ulrich and Katarina are experiencing the Dopplers are also experiencing, and Charlotte's just miserable, you know, and it's just a big mess. We, we feel that things get a little bit better for them later on, though, but right now things are bad.
0: All right, uh, anything else you want to bring up before we get to Fred's feedback?:
1: So a couple things. Well, first of all, uh, the clothes at the party, so I don't know if there's Jonas and Martha were wearing white, like this kind of virginal white Hannah. do you remember the color of her dress?
0: Uh, I don't
1: like bright red. She's like the scarlet woman, right? Yes. So uh, Michael tells Jonas, God doesn't err; He has a plan for all of us. You know. So again, you know, we're talking about that fatalistic aspect of here. You know, certainly, you know, Michael, and, and again, I guess that's what helps him do what he quote unquote has to do here is this faith that what he's doing is part of some. You know, greater plans for some larger good and everything. Um, oh, and the last thing is that when we first see Michael, which is kind of shocking because we haven't seen him really a lot. We only saw him alive for a very little bit before we, he wasn't alive anymore. Joe turns around and Michael says, boo, right? Like he's oh. a ghost because in a way, like he is, right? Oh, I like it. Oh, uh, one thing, I you know, just watched Stranger Things a little bit ago. Big Stranger Things vibe here with all the kids riding their bikes around everywhere.
0: All right, well, let's hear what Fred has to say this week, and then we will be right back.
2: Hello, Dave and Wayne and all other listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark, Season 2, Episode 6. First off, I want to come back to something you talked about last week. Why does Jonas Adam gets his scarring, whereas Claudia and Noah don't, although they also travel a lot through time? My answer could be, Jonas travels through the God particle, whereas we never saw Claudia or Noah do that so far. The next question is, is the scarring on Middle Ages' Jonas's back really the beginning of what we see later in Adam more extensively? Or is the scarring not really due to the time travel on its own, but because at a certain point in time he experienced something like radiation or whatever, and it's not really the time travel. And another thing I noticed is that we see an older Jonas as Adam and an older Claudia, but not an older Noah. Is Noah just traveling a lot in a certain time period, whereas Claudia and Jonas got stuck in a certain period for a longer time and aged? Well, sounds like dark questions. One of the questions I had last week is whether the time machines only make it possible to travel 33 years, and that's confirmed by Jonas by explaining it to his mother, and whether the god particle only is able to travel the maximum leap between for instance 1921 and 2053 but in this episode we see that jonas is able to travel to exact the time he wants namely just before his father kills himself and landing up on this beach where marta is And it was also said in the previous podcast by you that the cot particle obviously makes you travel to wherever you want. But if that is true, why did Jonas then land up in 1921 in the first place? Was that actually Adam's plan? But okay... It was the other God particle. It was the natural existing God particle and it was not a created one. So next question is, is there a difference between those two? Is the natural existing God particle sending you wherever it thinks, well, it has no brain, but where you should go. Whereas the constructed God particle is manageable. And with the natural occurring God particle, I of course mean the one that was created by some accident. Which accident, we still don't know. If this is a nuclear accident by the nuclear plant or something else, we just don't know how this first God particle came into existence. Okay, going into episode 6. First off, jonas really got to his father and i was amazed by that because i was expecting that in this plan to prevent michael to kill himself that on jonas's way to his father talking to his father trying to prevent the suicide that he would encounter some problems and that he would get frustrated and in not getting to his father but that played out actually perfectly in the sense of getting there talking to him understanding him I also expected then when Jonas really talked to his father that his father got so startled and afraid and that he would run out of the house or away or something like that. Especially because we saw the scene before when young Mikkel went to the toilet in the convent house how Michael got really startled. So that gave me the expectation that he would react very strongly to seeing Jonas. But he really stayed there and hugged him and listened to him. A big reveal was, of course, that Jonas was the one who took Mikkel into the cave. This makes it even more difficult to understand, a thing you talked about last week as well, why does the preventing of the suicide of Michael causes Michael not to go to the past? As from this information, so that Jonas took Mikkel through the caves, the not existing of Jonas would be the best prevention of Mikkel not going to the past. I think the only way to stop this cycling and this bootstrap paradox, which is this again, more or less, Jonas brings Mikkel to the cave, which causes Mikkel to be in 1986, and than getting together with Hannah and creating Jonas. I think the only way to stop this cycling is to stop the time travel at all. So nobody should travel through time and you should get back to a period where the time travel starts actually and you should prevent the whole possibility of time travel. I think time travel and the bootstrap theory are fully intertwined and you cannot have them separately. I have one translation nitpick. When Francesca is coming out of the water and Magnus is very worried that she was a corpse and she was dead, and he said, well, they were talking about a dead woman in the lake and Francesca looks around and and actually in German she says Alles noch lebendig. Which translates in, everything is still alive. That's the proper translation. And when you listen to the English audio, it says, well, it's all breathing. And even the subs are even worse. Still plenty alive. Well, it's all breathing or still plenty alive as a translation of everything is still alive. Uh. I really would wish you could understand German. Okay, next topic, dude. I think I'm going to be the next person that dreams
0: about having sex with Martha because uh. <laughs> there's nobody left. <laughs> this time we see older Jonas. Well,
1: it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's old, that older Jonas, right, and everything. So, yeah, um, which is you know I don't know if that's okay. I don't know what's creepier. Like she's already your aunt. And you had the dream when you were younger, and now you're older, and having now you're an older guy having sex with a younger girl. That's uh,
2: that's also kind of creepy. But, yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know. Come on, Wayne. Having sex with a younger girl. The poor guy is stuck somewhere in the future, and the only memory he has is this girlfriend. And, of course, his memory stays the same, namely this girl, as he knew her. He, d- he doesn't know her in an older age, so what is his memory? Well, okay, this, so come on, another topic is having a relationship with his aunt because this was the main reason why he broke up with Martha because he discovered his was his aunt, and we had a big discussion back then. Season one, episode nine was that where they broke up in the in the pouring rain outside the Conwald house. And now he decides to go on with her, or when he sits next to her there on the beach. I was also a little bit amazed that he says to her, I think we are a perfect match. Never think anything else. Another thing is, what is with this Alexander and Koehler. Alexander is really getting nervous, having... Sweat pearls on his forehead when he calls Willard. So what is the relationship with Willard? Does Alexander have Willard in some way in his pocket? Another thing is that we learn at the end of the episode in 1921 that Magnus is there to assist Adam and the woman next to him is very probably Francesca. I did some uh, screenshots and compared this woman to pictures of Francesca. And, well, if Dark did perfect typecasting again, it's most probably her. I will post some comparison pictures on the Facebook page. One eye for detail remark. At the end, Adam has this St. Christopher pendant in his hand. Did you notice that the, the figures on it are worn down? very less clear than it was originally and he has it so how did he got it I mean middle-aged Jonas put it on Martha's pillow so how did it get back to Jonas how did it get back to Adam and obviously he had it for a very long time seeing how it's worn down I also will post a comparison picture of the pendant on the Facebook page And putting a new pedigree again on it with Marcus and Francesca. So, new pictures there. I still wonder who Charlotte's mother will be. But two episodes to go. Last eye for detail remark. When Jonas comes in his uh, parents' house, he looks at the family picture with his parents, Hannah and Michael, and his grandmother, Ines. And in the background there is a christmas tree and what is very german is that this christmas tree has real candles in the netherlands i don't know how it's in the states but we always always had electric christmas tree candles but if you really really watch here you see for instance one of the candles that's hanging a bit to the side whereas the flame is right up So there is an angle between the candle and the the light, actually. And with electric lights, you wouldn't have that. They would be straight in one line. But a very detailed thing I just noticed. When I first went with my wife to Germany for Christmas uh, about uh, 15 years ago, I was really amazed. My mother-in-law had real candles in the tree. I thought it was quite dangerous. I think that was all for now. Thank you. Until next time, greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands.
0: A couple of things, you know, most of them, you know, we talked about, but he has a few questions related to the previous episodes. And, you know, the scarring, which we talked about last week, how come Adam has the scarring and Noah doesn't? Does it have to do with how they time travel, the devices they use to time travel, how often? I mean, those are certainly good questions to which we don't really have an answer yet. So I just don't know. Now, he also mentions about whether there's a difference between the God particle and the one in the nuclear plant and, and how they came into existence. I mean, I guess I've always been led to understand, or, you know, based on the evidence that, that we have at this point, is that the catastrophe that we're waiting to happen is what causes the god particle in 2020 um
1: I isn't it just hasn't it just been there because it's still in the power plant i don't know if uh, they created it i think it's just always been there since oh okay 2020 oh. you know but i think okay. adam created one you know the one that's in his place back in 1920 or 1921 1921 21 mm-hmm. um I think he he I believe didn't he tell Jonas last week that he made it or whatever or something they created.
0: Yeah, I think so. So could be wrong yeah. on that, but yeah, I think you're right about that. I think so. Um, right now, now Fred also mentioned something about the Saint Christopher medal and how is it that Adam has it after middle aged Jonas leaves it on Martha's pillow, and I, I guess we just have to assume that there's going to be a lot more time traveling going on in subsequent episodes and and somehow Jonas aka Adam gets his hands on it again i mean at, at this point you know we don't know but I, I again with the frequency that some of our principals are are time traveling i i think that's something that we have to probably consider um right and, and of course, there's a lot of things that, that we still don't have answers for that aren't addressed in this episode. And, and again, they might not get answered in season two, especially since we know we get a season three as a final season. And every show, I don't think they have to answer every question. You know, some things can be left to our interpretation. For instance, he mentions Charlotte's uh, mother. Do right. we have to know? I mean, you know, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. But, you know, leaving an open end like that, I don't think is necessarily a negative on, on the parts of the writer. So, true. you know, I guess we'll find out. But yeah. anything well, else you uh, want to bring well, just up? Just, you know, about
1: the, the necklace is, you know, he gave, your you know, your know, 50-year-old Jonas uh, returned, I guess, that necklace to or gave that necklace to or put it on your pillow. So even though she thinks it's from the young Jonas, it really is from that older guy. So getting it back has happened somewhere after, like older Jonas slash Adam is going to get the the, the necklace back uh, somehow.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so Fred, thank you. Great insight as always, and and again, some more great visual aids that fred posts in the facebook group and the timeline i believe i marked it as an announcement so uh you know that'll stay at the top or or you know right under our episode post e- each week but fred is going to update it as more information becomes available on a uh, weekly basis so you know that's up there as well and like we said the fred's tip of the week with the music should be there but that's going to do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch we want to thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about dark anything else going on in genre tv suggestions for what we can cover down the road encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community if you're already a member you can spread the word emails go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails can go via the speak pike tab which you can get on the website And we'll be back next week to continue our discussion of Dark with Season 2, Episode 7, titled The White Devil. But until then.
1: You know, Dave, I really, I, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it this particular episode. I mean, I get nothing from you. Nothing. It's like you're dead in there.